Now today I have the great privilege of leading us in parent-child dedications. We do this periodically as a church to give parents the opportunity to entrust their children unto the Lord. We get this practice out of a story in the Old Testament of a lady by the name of Hannah. She was barren. She couldn't have children. And so she went to the house of God and she said, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you. And God heard her prayer. And he gave her a son. And when the time was right, when he was old enough, she took him to the temple of God and entrusted him unto the temple of God and to the work of God. And so he grew up uh, as a young boy into a young man, and he spent the rest of his life serving the Lord. And today, we're going to have the opportunity to not only dedicate our children unto the Lord, but to dedicate ourselves. For you see, in order for us to dedicate our children unto the Lord, we must be willing to dedicate ourselves unto the Lord. But before I get into the parent-child dedication, I want to I just remind you that I've discovered over time that kids teach you some things. They teach you some things. Uh, they teach you that uh, they can shower for 40 minutes and never get clean. It's possible. They teach you that uh, you better have ketchup on hand, otherwise you're going to have a food fight at dinner. They teach you that you'll never sleep in again. They'll make you wake them up during the week, but on the weekend, they'll wake up super early at 5.30 in the morning to, wake, to get you up. They'll teach you that crayons are the absolute worst. They're the worst in the dryer, in the backseat of a hot car, and on a blank wall. They'll also teach you that parenting is a walk in the park, Jurassic Park. Parenting is challenging, it's difficult, but you know what? It's rewarding and it's fruitful. And I like to say, other than serving God and serving my wife as a husband, raising children is my greatest ministry. And I trust that it's the same for you. And so I want to talk on the topic today, raising faithful kids. Raising faithful kids. Raising kids that are faithful to God and kids that are faithful. They're full of faith. And so with that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in Psalms 112. If you have your Bible, open up your Bible, open up your Bible app, open up your Westover app if you have it. We have some notes there for you to follow along. But let's look at the Word of God. Psalm 112, verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Let me pause here and say this. If we are willing to live upright, our children will be mighty in the land. If you want your kids to be mighty warriors for God, be willing to live righteous, upright lives. When we live uprightly, they can live right. And so I want to encourage you to live right. God will honor that. Verse 3 and following. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. God intends for us as parents to raise faithful kids. And one of our core values here at Westover is strong faith builds 
strong families. We believe that if we can help you build a strong faith in your family as a foundation, you can build a strong family. And so today I want to share with you three steps to raising faithful kids. Three steps to raising faithful kids. Number one, worship God extravagantly. Verse one says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Now this statement, praise the Lord, is actually the statement, hallelujah. Now hallelujah is not something that you just say hallelujah. You say hallelujah. In fact, this is a statement I'm hoping some of you will say when the, when the, when the Astros win tonight. You're going to say hallelujah. But here's my challenge to you. Is your hallelujah at the end of a baseball game greater than your hallelujah when you're in church? We need to make sure that our hallelujah to God is greater than the hallelujah at any sporting event. Parents, in order for a hallelujah to be in our home, it must start in our hearts. It must start in our hearts in order for it to be in our home. What we do in our own personal life flows out and flows into the lives of the children that God has entrusted us. Do you know that our kids watch what we worship? They watch what we worship. They watch what we do. And worship either points them to God or points them away from God. And worship is more than just the words on the screen. It's more than the songs that we sing. It really is the life that we live. For you see, kids will follow what parents model. What you model in your life, they will follow. And so here's my question. What do your kids see you worship? Is it work, success, making money, distraction, personal pleasure? What is it that you worship? Because children will worship what we worship. To help illustrate this, I have a question for you. How many of you love breakfast? You love breakfast. You adore everything about breakfast. You can have it morning, noon, and night. You can have it on weekdays. You can have it on weekends. You can have it on holidays. You love pancakes and waffles and French toast and eggs and migas and huevos rancheros and tortillas and tacos and coffee and cafe bustelo and abuela, abuelita hot chocolate and you love all of it. You love everything. In fact... I think some of you have a green eggs and ham theology about breakfast. You could eat it in a box. You could eat it with a fox. You could eat it in a house. You could even eat it with a mouse. You could eat it here or there. You could eat it anywhere. Some of us. We think breakfast is the most important meal of the day. But here's my question. Do we have a green eggs and ham theology about worship and God's word? Do we have that same passion when it comes to worship and God's word? Or is that just something that we do at church? I want to suggest to you that this passage doesn't just suggest that we do it here at church, but that we do it everywhere. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. You see, it starts with worship and then it continues into God's word when it talks about commands. 
But it doesn't have a qualifier about when and where that happens. And so when you don't see a qualifier in God's word, it means you need to do it everywhere. We need to worship him extravagantly. Speaking of breakfast, here's my question. What are your kids eating spiritually? What is their breakfast spiritually? Many of us as parents, we're so focused on what our kids eat in the natural that we forget that they actually have a need to eat spiritually. We need to feed them spiritually. They need to be nourished spiritually. A child's soul is nourished through worship and God's word. And I want to suggest to you that if your kids only get fed here at church once a week, they're starving spiritually. It's not enough. We must incorporate worship and God's word in every aspect of our life. Don't starve your kids. Feed them through worship and God's word. The second step to raising faithful kids is to invest in the next generation. Verses 3 and 4 say this, Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Parents, do you know that you're wealthy? I know you may not feel wealthy with uh, wipes and diapers and baby food and clothes and everything else. But I'm not talking about the home that you live in or the 80-inch flat screen TV that you really want or that Texas edition truck that you absolutely must have because, after all, it's Texas and you need it. No, what I want to suggest to you is that you are wealthy because you have children, It says, wealth and riches are in their houses. And when you look at the original language for houses, what it actually means is family. Wealth wealth and riches are in your family. In fact, your family are the wealth and riches that you have. We must be willing to invest in the next generation. To leave an inheritance, make money. To leave a legacy, raise godly children. Raise children who follow after God. If you, raise, if you leave a legacy and raise a legacy, your righteousness will live forever. It will continue to the third and the fourth and the fifth generation. It will move forward. We also need to invest in the next generation because we live in difficult times. We live in dark days, parents. The culture is wanting to infuse into the lives and the minds and hearts of your kids and students about what morality needs to be, about what faith needs to be, about how they need to live their life. And we must be willing to invest in them so that they can stand up in the dark culture. You know, dark days require bright lights. Dark days require bright lights. Recently, my wife and I, we went on vacation, we went on a cruise, and we went up the eastern seaboard, and we happened to stop in Canada at a place called Peggy's Cove, Nova Scotia. And while we were there, we had the great opportunity to see the sights. You know, it's one of those tourist trap places where they'll sell you anything, anything that's branded Peggy's Cove, but we actually had the chance to stand in front of a lighthouse and take a picture together. And... One of the things that was great about it was that you got to see the waves come in and go out. And it was just a beautiful scenery. 
Well, we, we did that very quickly, and so we had about 30 minutes left. And so my wife went into the shop, and she, she found out that they actually have a specialty dessert. So she went ahead and got in line, and the line was like 30 people long. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to stand in line. I'm going to go outside. So I went outside. I sat on a little bench, and I began to look around. I began to listen to the waves come in and out. I began to look at the scenery. And then all of a sudden, I noticed that the light at the top of the lighthouse was spinning around. I hadn't noticed it before. But you know, when things are bright outside, you don't need a lighthouse. But you do need a lighthouse if you're a sailor and you're stuck and you're stranded and you have a difficult time. You need to know where dry ground is. In the same way, God intends us as parents to be lighthouses And I would dare say that God intends for our kids to be lighthouses, to shine brightly in the culture. Verse 4 says this, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. That's a promise. We must be willing to infuse into the hearts and minds of kids and students who God is. In John 1, verse 4 and 5, this is what it says about Jesus. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought life to everyone. Matthew 5, 16 goes on to say, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God creates us to shine brightly. I want to encourage you to raise children that shine bright in a dark world. Raise them up to shine brightly in a dark world. The third step to raising children that are faithful is to activate justice through generosity. Verse 4 and following says this, Even in darkness light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. Do you know generosity is at the heart of God? That very famous verse, many of you know, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Generosity is the definition of Jesus. He gave his life so that we could receive. Here at Westover, one of our core values is save people, serve people. We believe that if you know Jesus, you should step out and serve and make an impact. I've discovered in my life that generosity guarantees justice. When we are generous, we guarantee justice. When you see someone that's less fortunate than you, don't look down at them. Be willing to extend a hand and lift them up. Be willing to reach down to them and lift them up. This past weekend at our church, we had a guy by the name of Hal Donaldson. He's the founder and CEO of a relief organization called Convoy of Hope. And in his story, he said he grew up poor. He grew up without anything at all. But there were people along his life path that were very generous. And when his dad died in a car accident and his mom ended up in the hospital for a couple of months, a family stepped in and took him and his brothers and sisters in for a year. Generosity guarantees justice. What we do and what we give makes an impact. There's different ways for you to be generous. You can be generous with finances. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with a smile. In fact, I want to tell you about a family that I know. KB and Daisha Benton have three sons. 
and two of them recently decided that they wanted to serve. So we asked them what they wanted to do, and they said, we want to greet people, so we got them activated this weekend. And their mom posted a couple photos of these young men. But the reason why these young men are serving and greeting people and helping the elderly get across the street and opening the door for people who are in wheelchairs is because they have seen their parents serve. Parents, what you do makes an impact. And I'll just tell you this. My prayer for those young boys is that when they become husbands and fathers, that they will do the same, that they'll teach their kids to serve God by serving other people. Because when we are generous, we affect one generation. But generational generosity transforms future generations. It makes an impact. When we give and we teach the next generation to be generous, it makes a significant impact. So I want to offer to you this encouragement. Be willing to raise faithful kids. Verse 6 says this, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. If you want to be remembered forever, be willing to raise kids and students that are full of faith and that are faithful to God. Now we've reached the point where we're going to step into the parent-child dedication moment. And so what I'm going to do, I want you to listen carefully, parents. What I'm going to do is I'm going to call the names of your children. And as I call them, I want you to come up I want you to stand, start in the middle, and work your way outwards. And what I want you to do is, as you come up, what I'd like for you to do is to turn and face the audience. The first child being dedicated tonight is Amelie Antu Garcia. Sophia Berenice Castro and Fabian Dionisio Castro III. Everett Caswell. Raylan Ludger Lee Schulaut. Camila Denise De La Rosa. Madeline De Leon. Camila Sol De Rege and Liliana Isabel De Rege. Lila Duffy. Angel Rain Gallegos. Roman James Garibay. Arisbeth Yavida Garza. Jaden William Garza. Benjamin Kessler Gonzalez and Ezra Gonzalez. Abriella Marie Guerra. Adeline Gutierrez and Aria Gutierrez. Jaylene Rose Guillen. 
Amelia Grace Guzman. Armani and Isabella Hernandez. Nicholas Seth Hernandez. Zachary Eric Jimenez. Adira Johnson. Zachariah Elijah Ladner. Jonathan Joseph Lopez. Faith Abriella Mireles. Jaden Michael Montes. Natalie Renee Montes. Adeline Irene Morgan. Hannah Marie Ozell. Ryan Isidro Ramirez. Reynaldo Reyes. Noah Rico. Seda Araceli Rodriguez. Eli Rose. Scarlett Amelia Segovia. And Jeremiah Wolford. Parents, I'd like for you to turn and face me at this time. Wow. Church, look at this. Isn't this marvelous? Parents, we're so very proud of you. If you are a step-parent or you're a single parent, you're our heroes. You deserve double honor today. If you're a step-parent, you've stepped in. If you're a single parent, you've stepped up. And God honors you today. This is a special moment. One of the ways that we've decided to help you commemorate this moment is we've actually put together a kit for you. And I'd like to share with you what this kit entails and explain it to you because there's significance in everything that we're going to be giving you tonight. First of all, you receive this card. This is a congratulatory card from our kids' ministry. At the end of service, you can take this card down to our kids' check-in area. Members of our kids' ministry team would love to greet you. They'd love to welcome you, to congratulate you, and they'd like to give you this kit. So let me show you what we've put together for you. First, you're going to receive a certificate that documents this very important moment. We want you to treasure this and hold on to it. The second item that we're going to give you is a Bible. And for some of your kids, this is their very first Bible. And the whole purpose for this is we want to communicate to you so that you can communicate to them that the Bible is the foundation for their life. 
And if you would help them learn to foundation, uh, use this as the foundation of their life, they will be blessed, they will be fruitful, and God will advance them. And so we're going to entrust this Bible to you so you can communicate that to them. The very next item that we have for you is a letter. This is a letter from me addressed to your child. And so I want to invite you, once you receive this, to tuck this away in a safe place. And on their 13th birthday, I want you to give them this letter as one of their gifts. And in this letter, I tell them that on this specific day, you stood here before God. And you stood before family and friends. And you chose to dedicate them and their life to the Lord. In this letter, I also challenge them to love, worship, and serve God all of their life. I also mentioned this verse, Psalm 139.16, that says that God knew every day, he ordained every day before one of them came to be. And what we want to communicate to them, and what I want to communicate to them, is that God knows every day of their life, and that he has a plan and purpose for every day. Your child has divine purpose and destiny. And it's our job as parents to help them discover that and to step into that. This letter does just that. And then the very last item that we give you is a handkerchief, and it has that same verse on it, Psalm 139, 16. And the reason why we give you a handkerchief is the truth is, at some point, your child's going to break your heart. There's going to be tears, tears of frustration, possibly tears of sadness. There may be a moment in time when your child chooses not to follow the Lord. But I want you to hold on to this and hold on to the promise that God knew every day of their life and that he was madly in love with them and that he's relentlessly pursuing them. This is going to be an encouragement to some of you and we want you to treasure this and hold on to this. Parents, now the moment has come for us to dedicate our children unto the Lord. And as I say this prayer, I want you even in your own hearts to whisper their names and to whisper the promises of God that he's put on your heart for them. But before we dedicate those children, I'm going to invite you to make a decision tonight that you're going to dedicate yourself to God. Because the only way that we can really ensure that they will stay on the straight and narrow is if we're willing to follow God. And so as I pray, I'm first going to start by praying for you. And then I'm going to pray for your child. Congregation, would you extend your hands and pray for these parents and pray for these children that God would empower them. Let's go to the Lord. God, we come to you in this solemn moment to first of all, as parents, commit ourselves to you. It starts with us. If hallelujah is not in our heart, if your word is not in our heart, it becomes challenging for us to lead our children to you. So Lord, we decide today like Hannah did to dedicate ourselves to you and say, God, if you will empower us, we'll follow you all the days of our life. And then God, would you help us raise our children to know you? And God, I pray for every child that's here that at a very young age that you would help them discover you, that they would make a decision to follow you with their life. And even at a very young age, after they made a decision to follow Jesus, that they'll discover the power of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would hover in their life and that they would discover that, that Jesus is a friend and that he loves them. 
And God, as they continue to grow and they step into school, that you would put your hand of protection upon them, that you would put your hand of provision upon them, that you would put within their pathway as they grow up friends who love you extravagantly so that they have a network of friends who love you and can lead them onto the right path. We pray, Lord, as they step into middle school and into high school, God, that you would begin to lay out the plans that you have for them, plans for their future. And Lord, as they step out of high school and they graduate, God, whether they step into the workplace or they go to college or they go to the military, that you, Lord, would be ordaining and ordering their steps so they can step into your divine purpose. And God, as they begin to enter into relationships, that they will be meeting somebody that loves you as much as they love you, God. That they will meet someone who's committed to you, God, so that when they come together, their life and their relationship and their marriage honors you. And Lord, should you tarry, if you give them children, I pray, Lord, that they would, in a future moment, stand at an altar just like this and make the decision to entrust their children to you. God, I pray that you would put your hand upon each family, that you would protect them, that you would guide them, that you would give the parents wisdom and guidance and knowledge and discernment and patience and strength and everything that they need to raise the children that you've entrusted to them. And God, you've entrusted these children to them, but at this moment and in this instant, we re-entrust them to you because ultimately they belong to you. And so we give them back to you and for your purpose. We say all this in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen, amen.